North Carolina picked up their third linebacker verbal commit in the class of 2023 earlier this week in Virginia's Kavion Keys. But is he all in for the Tar Heels? You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, September 1st, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that the show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe right now for free so that you don't miss a moment of your team every day. For those of you watching on YouTube, please smash the like button and would love to hear your thoughts on Kavion Keys as we get into this bonus episode with John Garcia Jr. joining us. We've got John Garcia Jr. joining us today on Locked on Tar Heels. Always great to have you on, John, especially this week because as you should probably know if you haven't already noticed, in this week's college football game picks, Mr. John Garcia Jr. and Ross Dellinger are the only two SI riders to pick the Tar Heels over App State. Everybody else thinks we're going to be Michigan. So, John, welcome and thank you. <laughs> yeah, hey, look, that's that's going to be fun. I mean, I think that's one of the better games that, that less people are talking about because there's so many great ones. I think that game and, and this Arkansas-Cincinnati game might be yes. the most fun games of the entire weekend because these rosters are they feel similar and obviously with Carolina and App State this is uh it has added value cuz this is an in-state deal it's yes. it's a rivalry at least you know from a college to college perspective not so much athletically but a lot of bragging rights if this thing doesn't go UNC's way so that combined with one game experience which is you know more than anyone else just about in this this 2022 season i think that helps Carolina get over the hump, but it certainly won't be easy. It should be a really great game. Should be a great environment there in Boone, North Carolina. Tar Heels, got to get some revenge on App State. And by the way, we'd like to thank not only John Garcia Jr., but LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. So uh, John and I really just have one player to talk about today, a player who committed to North Carolina, says he's 100% committed. Is he? We're going to talk about that for sure. But first of all, let's get into talking about this young man out of Virginia, Mr. KV on Keys. Yeah, what an interesting recruit on and off the field, a guy, Isaac, where 12 months ago, wasn't really, <clears throat> excuse me, on, on the major Power 5 radar. Oh, this wow. was a guy yeah. who just sort of played his way there um, up in Virginia, as you mentioned, uh, just had a banner junior season. He did it as a linebacker, as a pass rusher, as a receiver, uh, helped uh, to win a state championship actually on offense with a big catch down the field uh, late in that game. So you talk about an athlete and a great story and, and keys certainly fits the bill. Uh, and then, you know, when you realize that you, you're like, I don't, what were we missing here? Six foot three, over 200 pounds, a great frame, obviously a great athlete. If we're talking about him catching, you know, long passes as a wide receiver, there's a ton to like about the athletic profile 
that Keys puts on tape. Uh, but I think it just took a while for programs to get it. But once they mm. got it, his offer list went <laughs> crazy. Obviously, North Carolina, all the Virginia schools jumped in, even the two staffs that that changed over in that state. The new staffs, uh, you know, stayed with him. Texas A&M, Penn State for a while looked like maybe the top threat. You know, it looked like it was Penn State, Virginia Tech, and Carolina. Um, but but here, here comes Carolina winning a true impressive head-to-head battle with not only the ACC schools that, that were in the mix, Virginia, Virginia Tech, et cetera, but obviously Penn State, which, you know, from a, from a profile perspective is one you would expect to, to beat Carolina head-to-head, yeah. particularly for, for defensive recruits. I yes. think offensively yes. you would expect Carolina to contend right. and win, but defensively with the reputation at stake, you would assume Penn State has a bit of an advantage. Uh, so that was, I thought, a really important high-profile yes. defensive win for Carolina out of state and against prime competition. So a, a major step in the right direction for me. Absolutely. Right there with you, John, on that. Um, with with all these various uh, positions that he can play, why is it that he specifically projects as a linebacker at this next level? Well, I think the modern linebacker is, is one of the more athletic positions on the field. You have to do so many things, uh, obviously athletically, but mentally as well. You've got to be able to come downhill and rush the passer, which he maybe does best at this point of the classic, or I should say, of the modern linebacker traits. But you've also got to be able to scrape and play that classic linebacker role where you're coming downhill and stopping the run and moving sideline to sideline. And then the caveat, which I think which is what makes Keys so special, is that you also have to cover. And that's where the wide receiver experience, that knowledge, football IQ of the route tree, of route concepts and how one route affects the other can really enhance his ability to see the field a little bit sooner at the collegiate level because you're not bringing him off the field. I mean, I think that's really the biggest key with Keys' game is, is that he can play multiple roles on third down. Normally when we talk about linebackers, Isaac, it's like, can you do one thing on third down? We, we know first and second down at the high school level, you're dominant. But on third down in passing situations, can you either A, rush the passer, or B, drop back and legitimately either cover a big guy like a tight end or running back or occupy an underneath passing zone. But with keys, he's one of these rare players that can do both. You can legitimately line him up on the edge and just let him go, or you can stack him up uh, in your, your underneath zones and allow him to aid your secondary. So I think he brings so much third down value and upside uh, that linebacker was, is just kind of the screaming projection uh, in this conversation, but you never know. Maybe he continues to grow and he, he becomes a full-time edge prospect. Again, he's already about six foot three, over two hundred pounds. Uh, so who knows how the next twelve months or so go with his physical development? But right now, I just think there's there's so many ways he can impact the second level of the defense. And let's be honest, that's a need area for Carolina as well. So if you can get a guy who can occupy multiple roles uh, I think that's about as ideal as it gets yeah absolutely I mean in in Gene Chiswick's base 425 like when you've only got two linebackers out there you need them to do everything they can possibly do and uh, you see guys like Chaz Surratt who was a converted quarterback getting over there and making a name for himself now in the NFL bouncing around a little bit but you love to see another guy with a lot of that same uh, positional versatility can come up and do all those things so that's really encouraging to hear 
John loved that along with being a state champion. As you mentioned, how important is just some of that, that winning mentality? What does that bring to a program? I think when you're when you're scouting players, you want to find things in the margins. Obviously, you know, this is North Carolina, right? Major Power 5 program, ACC, all of those things. So there's hundreds, literally hundreds of linebackers that are filtered down to, you know, five, six, ten at the most that you're looking at in a given class. And when you try to stack up those ten, some of the intangible and some of the, you know, non easy to see items are what really brings you up and creates more benefit of the doubt for that prospect. So uh, cross training on offense, I think is a big plus for keys being a kind of a captain, a leader on his high school team says a lot. And, and then when you, when you see a guy playing every single down in this day and age, it's more and more rare compared to even 10 years ago where all the best players were doing it. Um, you see him playing both ways that already creates some benefit of the doubt. But when you see him excelling on both sides of the ball, that's really when it creates some separation because you know that mm -hmm. there's a maturity there. There's obviously uh, some discipline there just from a conditioning standpoint, you have yeah. to have the wind <laughs> to play that deep into the season on both sides of the football. And obviously uh, a kid who makes plays, no matter where he lines up, a kid who makes plays in those big moments, absolutely gives you a little bit more clearance in taking that verbal commitment because you know he's already kind of been there and done that at least uh, as far as high school football goes so I think that type of impact on a state title roster uh, beyond the linebacker projection just just gives keys a little bit more juice in terms of, of why this feels like a very big commitment for Carolina and, and again it helps you in the margins there because uh, a lot of these players are are physically impressive their athletic specimens. Uh, there's a lot of similarities is what I'm trying to say between a lot of these top linebackers on the board. So you look for those extra data points, something that you can't find in a 40 time or a heightened weight or, or a statistic that helps you, you know, move one guy inch one guy over the other in, in the final analysis there. So I, I think all of that really maximizes the profile of, of KV on keys and, and obviously showing that kind of uh, improvement in a very short amount of time to be a two-way player on a state title team when he didn't have offers a year ago, I think tells you also that there's still a lot of room to grow here. Uh, when we've seen mm -hmm. such a big jump in one year, what, what about this next year coming up? I mean, I think all of those things create a, a whole lot of uh, comfort in taking this type of, of player and, and person uh, on the commitment list. Love that. And speaking of that commitment list, as you alluded to just a second ago, he is at this point just a verbal commit. How is Mac Brown going to get him from verbal to signed on the dotted line? We'll talk about that in just a second after I tell you about Bet Online, which is one of the fastest and easiest ways to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. There's also reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering info. From live in game betting to scores and podcasts, they've got you covered. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Oh, so John, Kavion Keys posts on Twitter his commitment and says, 100% committed, ram emoji, ram emoji. And uh, all the back 
all, all the back news we're hearing is, yeah, but he might take a, a trip to College Station sometime in September. So I, I don't know about you, but to me, by definition, 100% committed, uh, if you're going somewhere else, that is less than the number that would be 100%. <laughs> Help me figure out how to do math better. If there were three Ram emojis, I think you feel better <laughs> about holding on to keys. But look, I, I do think that there's some due diligence here. And look, we talked about it earlier. This isn't a kid who is a kid who's been recruited for two or three years and has had the opportunity to take all these visits and really dig into the process. You know, before he committed, I was on here talking about a lot of kids in his position would wait on purpose because they That's know right. that their trajectory is pointed all the way up. So they would like, hey, let me maximize this, see what other offers come in, go travel the country uh, during my senior season. And it would have been totally understandable, but Keyes elected to come off the board a little bit sooner. But clearly there's still some potential due diligence that I think he wants to at least explore. I don't think it's something to worry about a ton, especially because it looks like this visit could be in September. So it looks like it could be basically right after the verbal commitment to North Carolina. So while AM, you know, profiles in a different way than Carolina, SEC, number one recruiting class last year, I know there's a lot of talk about NIL and all that kind of stuff. It shouldn't, you know, strike fear into Carolina fans, at least at this point, because it does <laughs> look like it was just some due diligence. They were a finalist. For KV on, obviously, they were recruiting him pretty consistently. I don't think he was able to get out there over the summer months. So probably just following through on, on an, either a promise or a conversation where it was like, hey, commit where you want. And this is from AM's perspective. Commit where you want, but just get out here once. Just give us a shot to, to recruit you out here one good time and, and we'll be good from there. And, you know, And, and I think this is something that we're going to see um, happening year in, year out in, in college football recruiting um, because things are always fluid, right? We don't know what the end of these seasons look like. And last year taught us with 20-something Power 5 jobs changing hands, last year taught us to, to never expect, you know, to, to be stable, even if you're a program that felt stable, right? I mean, Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley this time last year was like, hey, we got the Heisman favorite, We've got a great Big 12 schedule in front of us. We're going to make the playoff. We got a, a tenured coach in Lincoln Riley who's happy. Nobody saw that coming. Ditto for Notre Dame with Brian Kelly. Ditto for some, some other great programs. So it's not just those that are on the bubble of winning and losing. It's also on the other side of it. So mm -hmm. that taught us in the industry to kind of always take these verbal commitments for what they are. They are a promise at that moment to commit to school X, but other programs are going to continue to recruit these great players. And again, we've just talked about how the athletic profile of keys is, is so intriguing that, you know, you would expect more programs to at least make a phone call his way. So I think all those things just call for more due diligence between these recruits and more importantly, their parents, the, the high school coaches, the people mm -hmm. in their camp that just want to be 100% sure that not only they have their first option locked in, which is clearly Carolina here, but also some backups where if, if you know what hits the fan and craziness and chaos goes down in college football, which is, you know, par for the course at this point, you have some options that you feel 
somewhat comfortable about. So again, due diligence is the phrase I continue to use with prospects taking visits elsewhere. Uh, it's something that is common and it's going to become more common going forward. There, there's a kid down in Florida who's committing September 23rd and he's got two visits to two different schools planned after that point. After. <laughs> right. So it's it's something that I think is just going to become a little bit more common and and, and it's uh, a reminder to these coaches, look, you got to recruit these kids till signing day. It's just like your current roster. You have to recruit your current roster every year because of the portal, right? We, we saw, again, both sides of the equation lead to portal exits. Your typical, I want to move closer to home or I lost this positional battle. Hey, I'm hitting the portal. Expect it. But you also had on the other side, your Jordan Addisons of the world who were all Americans and Bolitnikoff award winners who still looked for more opportunities at other points. So now you've got to recruit your current roster, just like you have to recruit recruits. So I, I think it's just something that's that's becoming almost a blanket deal in college football. Everybody who you think is going to be on your roster today, next year, two years, all of that, you got to keep recruiting them all the way. It's just something that has become a part of, of college football, which is why some coaches don't want to deal with it. And they get in the NFL, they want to stay there or they stay in high school, whatever it is. It's it's become you know quite the pressure point for these college coaches, but it's certainly created a whole lot of content for us on the backside. It sure has. And so, John, speaking, I mean, the, the idea of continuing to recruit him, Mac Brown is no stranger to that. He's seen it on this side. He's seen it on the media side. And so he gets the deal, right? He's not like, oh, KV on keys, you squirrely guy. Like, he knows <laughs> what's going on. Yep. And so what you talk about continuing to recruit him. What kind of things is it that Mac Brown and Coach Thigpen, his positional coach, and Dre Bly, who's obviously from Virginia, will continue to do to keep keeping him as a Carolina commit over I, these next couple months? I think you 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 change the tune a little bit, right? You you do recognize and acknowledge, hey, we're Carolina. You committed to us. We are in pole position for your signature but you you can't compromise and think that it's over and i think those coaches know best uh, that it's it's really never over i mean look at look at the last two starting quarterbacks at carolina right sam howell was a flip from florida state drake may was a flip from alabama like they understand how that process continues um beyond the verbal commitment uh and if if that was happening at quarterback it's going to happen everywhere else. Uh, so I do think that there's uh, an understanding of just playing consistently with him. It doesn't mean you court him in the same way. You certainly mm -hmm. shift towards treating him like a verbal commitment, like he's a part of next year's roster. You include him in all those group chats with all the other verbal commitments and all that fun stuff as well, but you stay consistent thereafter. I think that's the biggest thing. When we, we hear about some of the bad stories of, of kids decommitting and and, and why they left school A, a lot of the times it's like, yeah, I committed and they just stopped talking to me. They just assumed oh, wow. that it was over, you know? So I think consistency is really the key, four keys, as I keep using that pun on, on a Thursday morning. <laughs> uh, just, just stay consistent with him. You know, he's taken three visits to Chapel Hill. He's verbally committed. Uh, all those other commits are already celebrating that with him and, and he'll be included on their end. The coaches just, just have to do their part on the front end and not panic, right? Because that's the other side of this is there's a lot of schools and Clemson is the is the poster child for this where if you're committed, you're not allowed to take visits elsewhere. And it's like, they'll pull the scholarship. There's like a threat 
if you if you take visits elsewhere. So there is also this kind of balancing act of obviously they don't want them to take the visits, but you have to in a modern era of recruiting, you have to be somewhat comfortable and confident with them taking other visits unless mm. you put in this Clemson like no visit policy to where when kids are verbally committing, you're telling them right then, hey, that means no more visits. Are you good with that? And a lot of kids aren't, uh, especially yeah. if you want to recruit, you know, the blue chips, the All-Americans, all these, the, the better the prospect, the more phone calls he's taking, right? right? The, the more right. teams you got to beat, um, not only when you, when he commits, but thereafter. So if you want to win those big boy battles, you have to modernize the process. And Notre Dame is becoming another program that is kind of doing this no visit thing. You know, the number one edge player in America, Keon Keeley from Tampa, took a visit to Alabama and, and, you know, had a he had a conversation with Notre Dame after that and elected to decommit because he wanted to continue to take some more visits. And ironically enough, he decommits Notre Dame, like stops recruiting him. And now he's going to go to Ohio state on Saturday yeah. to watch them play Notre Dame. So <laughs> yeah. it is, you know, it's something that is a slippery slope in recruiting and those who are, I don't want to say bold enough, but those who are, almost stubborn enough to stand pat on no visit policies are going to pay for it as athlete empowerment and, and this fluidity in recruiting and college football pushes forward. Cause it's not going the other way anytime soon. So I, I do think that it's, it's going to become a little bit polarizing as more programs jump in that no visit boat or, or stay outside of it. But it looks like Carolina is going to stay outside of it, which for me is the right way to go. If, if you're the best fit, for the kid, prove it as many times as you have to un until signing day. Uh, that's so right. I think that's that's the approach from Mac Brown uh, and company who understand, like you said, all sides of, of this recruiting deal. Yeah, interesting. So then, as of today, John, September 1st, Thursday, what percent chance would you say that Kevion Keys, excuse me, holds to this commitment? And if there's anyone Carolina should be worried about, which school is it? Yeah, I, I think Penn State is the threat. Uh, no disrespect to AM. Uh, it, it sounds like he wants to stay relatively close to home. So, kind of in that mid Atlantic, Northeast footprint, if you will. Um, so, I think Penn State can, can push that boundary uh, much more so than, than a Texas AM, which is halfway across the country. So, I do think that if he continues to take visits beyond the AM trip, then maybe your worry flag goes up a little bit higher, uh, especially if it's Penn State, because it sounds like that was the secondary program that he was really back and forth on. Uh, although, you know, Virginia Tech's the in-state school that was, was kind of the, in the best shape among those programs. So maybe if they get off to a really nice start in, in the 2022 season and get him back on campus, maybe that becomes another program to keep an eye on. But all things even, I think Penn State, even with this A&M visit scheduled, is probably the top threat long term for Keys. So from a percentage standpoint, I'd say, look, he just committed. So it's going to be close to 100. I'll go 96 percent that he sticks with Carolina, barring some craziness uh, sure. that, that college football sometimes presents us with. Man, that's so interesting. Now, John, you talked, we just talked some about Virginia, which is Key's home state. This is now the sixth commitment uh, from Virginia in the Jordan class for North Carolina, the 2023 class. Is, is it the Drave Bly factor? Is it just geographic pr proximity? Why on earth is Carolina having such success to their northern border? I think, yeah, it's it's both of those things, certainly, right? There's, there's also great talent 
in, in Virginia. And we just mentioned that the two primary programs in the state are both under new administration simultaneously. So they're both under first year coaching staff. So when you talk about recruiting some of these kids over multiple years and keys, isn't the best example of this, but he was starting to get offers before that coaching change happened in, in Charlottesville, as well as in Blacksburg, you know, now you're, you're having to start over with new coaching staff. So I, I also think it's an advantageous recruiting year for mm. Carolina to be so active in Virginia. But like you said, there's a lot of great Virginians on this Carolina roster right now, as well as the coaching staff. That's and right. it is still right. a border state with great talent. So you're always going to recruit this state of Virginia pretty darn consistently. Uh, so I, I do think that until there's a program in the state that really starts to lay claim to most of these great players that the door also feels open. We talk about that in Texas and Florida with all the fluctuation with those schools in those fertile states. No one has closed the door on recruiting because there's been so much up and downness with all of those banner programs in Texas, you know, Texas, Texas A&M, you know, TCU, no one has put a stranglehold on the state. So Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, USC, everyone, LSU comes into that state and pulls out great talent. In Florida, Miami, Florida, Florida State have all changed coaches, it seems like, three or four times over the last decade or so. So your Clemsons, your Georgias, your Ohio States, Bama, everyone goes down there and pulls out great future NFL-type players. So when there is some transition in the state, the door feels even more wide open than normally. So I think Virginia in this cycle is, is just one of those states. So not only will Carolina take advantage, but Penn State and some of the Big Ten programs are, are going to be you know knocking on that door, uh, as well as the ACC schools that we haven't talked about as well. So just kind of a, an interesting product of this year, but also circumstantially over the long haul, you always expect Carolina to do well in, in that fertile 757 metro and, and beyond in the state of Virginia. All right, great stuff from John Garcia Jr. As always, Carolina's defensive commits are starting to fill out in the class of 2023. Got to get a few more high-end players in the secondary, but I'm sure that is coming, and Carolina will keep working on that with Mr. Dre Bly, who we just talked about. John, as always, great stuff. Thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Isaac. Take care. Have a great season. Thanks, brother. You too. Talk to you soon. That's it for this bonus episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Just some fun recruiting news we needed to get into. Coming up tomorrow on Friday, our game preview of App State. Can't wait for that. Really appreciate you joining in. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do that at Locked on Heels or John at Garcia Locked on. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Now for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the 2022 NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey NFL Insiders all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in for an extra episode. Always good to get some bonus content later in the week. And I want to still remind you that it's always a great day to be a target. Until tomorrow, peace.